Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Kelly gets to put it again. Then Danjuma with the ball now for Solanke. Ocean to space for Brooks, which Solanke finds him now. Billing charging on through the middle. Still David Brooks chooses his ball to Danjuma. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of Back in the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. It's a midweek special. We weren't around on Monday because that evening we entertained Brentford in the playoffs' first leg. Wow, what a semi-final it was too. A nerve-jangling time at Dean Court. During the day, it was blustery, it was sunny, it was windy, it was rainy, It was there was thunder. And you know what? That smorgasbord of emotions was matched within the 90 minutes as well, where we had a lot of joy, a lot of frustration with missed opportunities, the nerves of seeing Brentford nearly put the ball into the back of the net. It was an unbelievable game. But the win, it showed a lot of desire and a lot of discipline, and even at times, a little bit of swagger. So with the hoodoo against Brentford broken, will it stay broken? On this pod, we've got myself, Sam Davis, Tom Jordan, Neil Dawson and Jeff Hayward. Now, of course, we're all hoping that it's not a false dawn and look, there's still huge cause for concern. The injuries that we got, the angry reaction we might get from the Brentford players and the pressure from the thousands of bees who will be packed into their new ground. It could be a good thing for them. It could be a bad thing for them. So, Tom, it is, I mean, it's far from over, is it? Yeah, far from over. Like I say, it's half time, so to speak. But um, we've taken an advantage into the second leg and that's that's all we wanted. We all have taken that, wouldn't we, before the game. So um, that's the main thing. But yeah, it can change really quickly. They get an early goal and suddenly the game's level and we're at their place and they've probably got a slight advantage. So, yeah, still a long way to go. But um, I was pleased. I was pleased. Clean sheet against Brentford as well was very impressive. Um, 
they're a good side going forward, and obviously we know about Tony. So yeah, I was quite happy. It was a it was a doggy performance, which I never expected it to be full of goals in a playoff tie. You saw in the other game as well, didn't you? It was all quite tight and cagey for the first leg, but we done the job really well without being spectacular. We we were good and uh, we done enough, and I felt we we deserved the one 0 win to be honest. So some might be optimistic after that win and others might feel pessimistic. And uh, to be honest, I wouldn't blame you either way after what's been a topsy-turvy 18 months of the club. Uh, Jeff, which line do you fall on after that match uh, last night? It could still go either way. I think uh, we've given ourselves a really good chance. We're still in the game and that's that's the most important thing. We didn't want to be going there nil-nil or having lost because then it would have been game over, I think. And... The most encouraging thing is the mentality of our players was right on it last night. And if they can retain that, they've got something to fight for, something to hold on to. We can do it. And they they ought to believe after last night. Yeah, agreed. And when you lay the facts bare like that, I mean, we know that our squad has got quality written all over it. We know that when the squad wants to perform, it can. We know that when everyone is playing to their best of their ability, Bournemouth get results. And we know that when there are no individual errors and there's more diligence on the ball, we are so much better. So, Neil Dawson, it's usually 20 minutes that you say before you can tell how Bournemouth are going to be, which team are going to turn up. What was the first 20 minutes like for you? And were you impressed? Yeah. So, I could see straight away that we were uh, that we were on it. I mean, Brentford are a good side. They're going to get periods of the ball, but I thought... We watched them really carefully. Everyone did their job. This, this, the um, system was tight. Um, uh, so the, the people were following instructions. There were the, the odd little silly back heel or flick, which really, really irritate me. But um, at that side, I just you could tell that we turned up. And we always know in the first 20 minutes that we turned up. You could tell we turned up. Um, and, uh, and then the game sort of proceeded on from there. And uh, I always think... Big, our big players, um, they like it when we're on Sky. They like, they, they, they like the occasion of it. They're playing it back in an occasion. It kind of suits them. So, no, it's good. It's good. Good first 20 minutes. Mm, absolutely. Jeff, no surprises with the team, were there? No surprises. No, it, it was the team I think we all expected. Obviously, Junior being out made that one debate, possibly Junior or Brooks on the, uh, on the right-hand side. Whether whether it would uh, whether it had been junior if he'd have been fit, I don't know. What's clear is that after that performance from Brooks last night, there's no way even if Junior's fit, he's going to play in the next game or probably the next one after that if we're if we're successful on Saturday. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. And yesterday it just clicked. Yesterday we did get off lightly, but then we weren't exactly clinical either. So. For a team that's looking to gain momentum, Tom, it's a it's a good start, really, isn't it? And given Brentford have just lost theirs, we're capable of killing this game off. Yeah, hopefully. I think um, the fact that obviously we'll come on to it, I'm sure, but the, they missed a pretty much an open goal makes you feel like we got away with it. But really, did Begovic have anything to do? You know, not really. Um, and I felt like we had some decent chances as well. And probably at half time, I felt like oh, we probably should have been ahead, really. Um, a few half chances, one from the corner and stuff that the keeper saved and Brooksy's rebound. So we had chances, but I, I think it was a fair result. And yeah, and like, like Neil alluded to as well, we on the telly, you know, the big games, we spoke about how we've done against two teams that are already promoted. You know, we seem to pick ourselves up in these sort of games. And um, that's what, as much as we've been inconsistent all season, gave me a little bit of hope was thinking every time we have like a, a big game, we seem to get ourselves up for it. 
um, as, as I mentioned with Watford and Norwich. Watford one in particular, which was very reminiscent, one nil, one nil Dan Juma. Um, so and Norwich earlier in the season, one nil Dan Juma. So yeah, that was good. And I just it'll just it'll be a massive game. And I think the the key thing, like you can say all the time, but if they get an early goal, that just suddenly kind of gets rid of the first tie. So we just got to be switched on. And like I say, we'll see with the injuries as well because that's that's a slight concern. That was the dampener yeah. on the night, wasn't it? Yeah. So Tom. Myself, Neil and Jeff, we all had to watch on TV, but explain your match day because you were at the stadium, weren't mm. you? So we met beforehand, obviously, we went live, went to the Brunswick for a pint or two, Shandies that is, and then off to the stadium. What time did you get there? 2am, 3am, what time was it? Uh, got there at 4.15 we had to be there um, for the game, so that was that was fun. Just, it was easy to get in, it was all, all easy done, but um, yeah, just had to kind of sit in there and wait. But to be fair, it was... I remember when, because I was fortunate enough to go to the other ones where we had a, had a few thousand there. And it felt a little bit, I was thinking, oh, two hours in here before the game. It's like you just sat there. You can't really do anything because you can't go and get a drink or whatever. But it was quite nice because it, it obviously it had a good feel about it. It was the playoffs and kind of wanted to be in there to watch the boys warm up and all them sort of things. So it was, it was quite nice, yeah. And um, we seemed to get, get the place. I don't know what it was like on a telly, but, but it got it bouncing a little bit because it was only 2,000. It, really, it was really good in there. But... Um, yeah, I was full of nerves, so it's not nice sitting there for that long, just waiting for the game. But um, yeah, it was, I was just delighted to be in there, just felt really fortunate. And um, yeah, it was, all went to plan. It did go to plan, and the team looked up for it. As you can see there, they seem to be very cohesive, whereas previously they've just been standing around, not even touching each other, just looking at each other, not too sure why that is. But yeah, there did look to be a team spirit. There looked to be plenty of smiles, which is, I know, something Jeff is a big advocate of, I've got to say. Let's just... um. You know, talk generally before we sort of unpick the 90 minutes, Jeff. And look, for Brentford, they're not exactly going to be unhappy after last night's defeat, are they? But maybe what it does do is simply add to the pressure. And we know as Bournemouth fans, we like to play teams that come out and attack. So is our 1-0 victory the first part of a glorious doubleheader against them? It could still go either way. I mean, there's evidence on the one side, you could say Brentford have bottled it. Last year, they they've you know they're on the back foot and they missed an open goal, so that would have done their self belief no good whatsoever. On the other hand, you know they they're a good side, and I thought for that last twenty minutes when they had us under the cosh, you know we we defended really well, and they can they are going to come at us straight from the off on Saturday. It's going to be that first twenty minutes is going to be really really important for us. Keep that clean sheet. Keep it as clean as we can for as long as possible, because the more we do that, the more their confidence will seep away. On the other hand, they beat Swansea last season after going 1-0 down in the first leg. You know, they beat them 3-1 at their place. So it's not, it's not done by a long way. We had a great performance. We, we played really, really well as a unit. And we've just got to come out with exactly that same mindset again and not come out with the mindset that said to Reading, we'll concede everything because, you know, we're, we're, we know you're a good team. And we ended up losing that game 3-1 as well. So we don't want to go into our shells, I don't think. You can, you can argue this one any way you want, can't you? So, But I think the one thing that we can all agree is that, bizarrely, so there could have been a lot worse results than last night. but this is the hardest result to tactically set up for um, afterwards. Yeah. So even if you'd lost 1-0 last night, you've got to go there, but, you, you know, as a plan, they would go there, play two strikers, they'd go for it. 
if we won 2 0 or any more, we'd have gone and defended. It's, yeah. It is the worst result for a manager to try and work out what to do because he will say to the players and in the press non stop for the next six days, we, we can't go there trying to hang on to a 1 0 lead. But psychologically, they'll go there with a 1 0 lead. And no matter what you say, it's really hard to get players out of that mindset. It's going to be fascinating. What I will say is, I was going to say that we've obviously spoke a lot about how we struggled against kind of the teams nearer the bottom or them teams that sit back and things like that. That could suit us potentially. Yeah. Um, I always feel like we've we've given a lot of silly goals away this season, uh, particularly kind of silly errors and things like that. But I always feel like when we're told we've got to defend, we defend yeah. okay. We, we saw that last night. As soon as we got the goal and we went, right, hang on to it, so to speak, we, we were pretty comfortable apart from that one chance. And most of the time when we've conceded silly goals, it's been when we've maybe been searching for another goal, been caught. But I feel like when T, yeah, I, I feel like it could work off them. But like you say, all it takes is them to nick an early goal and suddenly any game plans out the window. So, yeah. yeah, like Neil said, it will be really, really fascinating to see how we line up. And I think the key thing is if we haven't got Pearson, whoever comes in there is not the right type of player that you really want to go in because you've got either a Jack Wilshire or Billing going deeper. Yeah. And I thought I thought Pearson and Lerma were almost, you know, just, just running the game at times. So that'll be a big blow. So that's going to be key in it, the injuries. Yeah. I think I think Sam actually, I think Thomas Frank got it wrong for Brentford a bit last night because I think they set up too defensively. I think they they thought, you know, they'd let us have a lot of the ball and try and hit us on the break with long balls to to Tony for flick-ons and, and whatever. Um and I don't think that worked with the, the wing backs they had didn't really cover that well for them and we found a lot of space and uh, yeah I just I just think it it made it easier for us that they conceded so much it's so much in possession to us in that first half yeah I think Cherries controlled it early doors they seemed to control the ball they operated with width there was some brilliant defensive work by a number of players including Dan Juma and we had chances early doors Tom did the fans, did you get the impression that having 2,000 fans there gave the players a little bit of extra impetus and a bit of oomph? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to, easy to say so now with one, I suppose. I mean, I think it, I think it always does. Um, it's always different for the players when you're, when you're playing amongst fans. And we certainly had a, a, pretty, a pretty lively start, so, you know, which is nice to see, which you like to think fans had a little part to play in maybe. But yeah, it was good atmosphere in there. Um, yeah, really positive. I mean, we had a few half chances, but weren't getting the goal, but we're still always behind them. And yeah, maybe it did give him a little bit of a boost, certainly to come out the traps really well. Um, but yeah, obviously we were shooting down the other end. I was in the I was in the north stand, and what I noticed was how well obviously got injured in the end, but how well Cookie and Carl Vickers were. You know, we said about Tony didn't do much; they were brilliant on him, and um, they they were so good as a parent. But um, but yeah, we we started the game really really well, so I was happy. You just thought, can we take one of them chances? That's what it was always going to be like, like we played them both times before. Yeah, that's right. We had Lerma on 11 minutes that volleyed over the bar with his left foot or just wide. And then, Neil, explain that miss from Philip Billing. I think Adam Smith crossed it and it was a bit of a slice, but you just wonder how he could possibly slice it like that. Yeah, I mean, it was a classic example of a one-footed player approaching a, a cross. So if he's got one thing missing in the number 10 role, I would think Philip Billing is he's very, very left-footed. And all the world's greatest number 10s, because they'll get a quick chance in the box, they've got to be happy taking it with either foot. So really, he should have... That, that was a right-footed shot. He let it go across his body, which kind of let the defender get close to it. And then 
he had to kind of half rush the shot then uh, and he shanked it which is one of one of those things that happens isn't it he's normally very very reliable but it was a product of him not wanting to take it on his right foot i was going mad at the ref because i just thought how is it not a corner because from where i was i just thought he must have yeah. got deflection so i yeah. i'm not sure if he's watching or not but i apologize to the ref because um it was a goal kick and that was also a sign that brooks was on form what a pass that was, yeah, yeah, was. Yeah. brilliant brilliant play from him and smithy yeah. overlapping i mean that's the sort of combinations we've been looking for i thought smithy really justified his that was the one we were talking about wasn't it smithy or stacy and i think you could have yeah. the guy said you could flip a coin really i like both of them but smithy was bang on it wasn't he i don't think there was anyone calling for for stacy in the next leg now because of how well smithy played thought yeah. he was thought he was excellent Hold back four, hold back four, and then I'm sure we'll talk about Mepham in a minute. But whoever had a defensive position was superb last night. Mm, I thought so. And Lloyd Kelly was getting forward and, you know, crossed into the ball for that slank. He had a Tom, did you think that was in from where you were? Or I suppose you were right behind it, so you could probably see it was hitting the post stroke going yeah. wide. Yeah, I, I couldn't work out. That was another one that I couldn't work out if that was, I thought that was a corner as well. Mm. That, was, that went down as a goal kick. That certainly looked like a corner. But um, yeah, that was a good move. No shandies you had, Tom, by the sounds of things. <laughs> Yeah, because I thought everything was a corner, but no, was, I think um, I've seen the highlights and stuff, and that one was a corner, I think. But to be fair, I think it was a nice little move. And then, like Neil alluded to earlier, Billing did a silly little flick, didn't he? he Try to get it back into Dan Juma, and it looked like the move had broke down. And you thought, what a stupid, but luckily we held on to it. And like you say, Lloyd put a decent ball in. And we had that, I think it was the Reading home game, wasn't it, earlier in the season, where you know, Kelly's got a decent whip on him. I think it was for Solanke, wasn't it, in that Reading game. And yeah, I really wanted Dom to, Dom to get off the mark. And that was one of the ones. When you thought, oh, it's another chance got gone a bag in there, but we were we were putting the pressure on him, and that was that was the main thing. It was good to see. And were you impressed by Dom's performance oh. as a whole? Because uh, you know, always hard working, and actually got into a few uh, positions to score a goal. Unlike some of the previous matches where he has worked hard, but not really got on the end of anything. Yeah, I thought I thought Dom done all right. It's, it's it's a tricky one really because I think if you went through all the players, like Neil said there, with how good the defensive color performances were, if you went for every player, he'd probably be be one of the lower ranks if you rated everyone but that's not, nothing against him he worked his socks off like I say was unlucky with that chance um made good runs causing problems all game so he, he done okay but yeah I, I think compared to the others it was more of a defensive display but I thought what kind of people forget a lot of the time I thought he defended from the front really well he, he's non-stop yeah. his, his pressing's brilliant um couldn't get a goal but yeah I, I thought he linked everything up really well so um yeah I was still more than happy with Dom's, Dom's performance definitely Worked his socks off. Worked his socks off. He, he, um, it's just lack of quality, really, in in key moments. That's that's a problem. You can't knock a lad who works as hard as that. But that that moment where we broke clean through and it was two on two on one. Any other player would have slipped a nice part, pass into the path of Dan Juma, and it, it, his brain just didn't work. And then he played it too late. And it was just a classic example of where, where I think. We lack a little bit of quality in the centre forward position this year, but you can't knock his work rate. Do you sometimes feel as though he knew that he was running so fast, yet almost felt as though he had to take a little bit off the pass because of his momentum and just got a bit confused? And in the end, it went behind Dan Jim and it was cut out easy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. From where I was, I, I, I could just couldn't believe he mucked it. And I haven't really seen a replay because it's not on any of the highlights now, which I'm not surprised Bournemouth have kept it off the highlights. But yeah, I just thought, I just didn't. It was so far away because obviously I'm down the other end. I just couldn't work out what he, how he, how he didn't just play it in. But yeah, I was that was I was too many beers down. Maybe I, I missed it. I couldn't remember what he was doing. Tom's not seen anything yet. We need to get Tom, we need to get Tom back in front of the telly. This is not good enough. 
It'll be so, terrible. We haven't got to the second half yet. Well, we talked about all of the defenders having really decent games, and you know Steve Cook, who who we briefly mentioned, we'll talk about him going off later. But he he was up the other end and nearly got on the header, yeah, yeah. a header that was cleared by the keeper, and Brooks followed up with a shot. But also Neil. Do, do you remember that uh, sliding challenge because their their attacker was going through and it was one of the most perfectly yeah. timed slide challenges I've seen in a long time. It's brilliant. My my little boy said that that is a Steve Cook tackle. He calls it a Steve Cook tackle, and it and it is. It's like it's like a dying art. Um, Lloyd Kelly and Mepham would have stayed on their feet for that for that. They would have they'd have ushered the guy towards the corner flag. Steve Steve Cook's old school, isn't he? And and it was just it was. That, you know, just you could put that little moment in a box. That's Steve Cook's career, that is. It really was. But Jeff wasn't great when uh, he pulled up injured, eh? No, it wasn't. And um, well, I, I, I was worried after he went off because obviously Mepham coming on is, um, you know, has had a little, a little bit of uh, difficulty, let's say, particularly since he's come back from injury. He's had some flaky moments given away goals and not defended very well. So bringing him on after Cookie had had such a commanding first half and, uh, yeah, heart in mouth moment. It, it looked to me at the, at, at the first watch that it might be his cruise ship that had gone because he was, he was under no pressure. There was no challenge. He just kicked the ball. Um, hopefully, I mean, Woodgate's talking about him being fit for Saturday, which would be a hell of a recovery if it is a cruise ship. Um, I think if he does play, that that would be fantastic. Oh, I hope so. I hope so too. Speaking of Woodgate, Tom, have you seen the video of him with all his reactions on the touchline? Nine minutes of of pure Woodgate. Yeah, lovely. Enjoyed it. Yeah, no, he's he's great. I, I do like him. It's it's funny though, isn't it? You got you got to Twitter that after that's it. Now he's the best manager we've ever had. He's up there with Eddie now because he shouted and stuff on a touchline. But no, it was um. No, it was always, it's always nice to see. I love them stuff. I remember when we got promoted and we used to always do the um the pitch view like after the game when they go over to the fans and all them little shots. I love all that. It's great and different angles and stuff. But yeah, on the on the cookie thing, he went. He felt like he went down so much earlier than that as well. He kept going down, and obviously I do remember because I'm right behind that. And he kept he kept holding stuff, looking over, and I kept thinking he ain't gonna last it. And then he went down again, and um yeah, it didn't look very nice, but. If anyone's going to suddenly make a recovery and get injected up, ready for hopefully two football matches, it'll be Cookie, wouldn't it? So if he's out, then that means it's serious because Cookie will do everything to try and get back. But um, what we'll say as well about Meps, who obviously will come on to at a, at a good game, I think it would have been easy for Woodgate. I think he deserves credit because it, it potentially people thought well, he's just going to bring Meps on. He could have moved Kelly inside. Mm. And whether you move Smith to left back, bring Stacey on, or just bring Rico on, who he's played a bit more than Meps. He could have easily just put Kelly at centre-back and it's that left centre-back as well. So because he, it wouldn't have, a lot of people would have thought, can I trust Meps? He's had a really tough time. But Woodgate just, you know, showed a lot of trust and, and belief in Meps and he, he repaid him. So that was really good. And listen, Meps was superb, but you, you'll always want Steve Cook available, that's for sure. Yeah, and he was superb, I thought, when he came on. And especially after all the criticism that he's had online from certain individuals to see him put in such a good shift. And I think he said in one of his post-match interviews, that was the real Chris Meppham that you were watching out there. And, you know, to a man, I thought AFC Bournemouth were brilliant yesterday. One person that's been brilliant for most of the season has been Arnold Danjuma. And Jeff, talk us through that goal. Well, uh, 56 minutes, I believe. and. 
I, I watched it for about the 10th time a few minutes before came, coming on. I still laughed and smiled and, you know, it was just fantastic. And actually, the, the first bit of play you see is Kelly defending right on our touchline, stops a cross going in, uh, ball goes to uh, Janssen and Kelly intercepts again, breaks to Danjuma, he, he picks out uh, Dom in the middle of the park. And Brooks had broken beyond Canos, who was the, the left wing back who was completely out of position. So Brooks was in acres of space. And it was one of those moments where you thought, just play that perfect pass, David Brooks, that you can play. And he did. Arnie touches it with one foot and then just passes it into the goal. He passed it in. It was that beautiful. One player that I thought whose role in this has not really been spoken about, and that's Phil Bill. The run that he made to take out one of the defenders. It's so good, Neil, to see him playing in such an attacking position. You just wonder why this wasn't found out earlier. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, particularly because I think they said on Sky that he um, played there as a kid. And uh, so uh, I think all kids do if they're good. You, you normally end up up front. Don't you? But, um, but no, it, that's a kind of run that a manager will single out. So you can imagine they'll be sat in a training session looking at video footage. And those are the sort of runs that even when they don't lead to goals, managers single out for that precise reason. Because if he'd not made that run, no one would have criticised him. If he decided to take a little breather and watch the move develop in front of him, that wouldn't have made him a bad player. So managers love it, don't they, when someone does that? Because without him doing that, you're right, Sam, the, uh, the, he, they wouldn't have, we wouldn't have necessarily scored. Um, so, you know, fair play to him, um, capping off what's been a great second half of the season. That shows the, the, what, why Israel was successful was, was because Brentford had a midfielder playing that anchor role in that back three. And a, a midfielder defends players but doesn't defend a high line in line with the other two centre-halves, and that's what he should have done. So, you know, again, I think Frank got it wrong there, playing that that person at the centre of that back three. When we're breaking, that, that was always likely to happen. Yeah, if you were Brentford, you'd be fuming with that goal, because it was Janssen that lost the ball, wasn't it? He was in a right wing position. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what he was doing. You, and you look at the graphics that you showed there, I mean, they're all over the place there, and they would have known that we're dangerous on the counter-attack. So, yeah, they from their point of view, that was a really poor goal to concede. But we took advantage as soon as it went to Arnie. Just knew he was going to score. And that's, that's what he's given you at the moment, isn't it? You, just, you know where he's going to put it. I just knew it was going in. His first touch was brilliant. So that, that's, that's the thing. So it was, it was um, for older viewers, it was very Thierry Henry-esque. So that, that little cushioned tap with his ankle that set himself up was just that that you know that's what made the goal and that's the difference between him and arguably our other strikers is the ability to take that that wonderful first touch the other thing about the goal that I think it's worth mentioning is that was a vintage Eddie Howe goal from the last sort of three seasons so think of our wins against Chelsea where they had 70% of the possession and we won 4-0 that that was a vintage Eddie Algar without taking anything away from Jonathan Woodgate. And um, so it's, and we will need, that gives us me great hope for Saturday because we will get in those positions on Saturday because they will come at us for the kitchen sink. But if we've got the ability to do that, then that that goal should give us a lot of confidence. Yeah, just seeing all the players, you know, a few knee slides, everyone going over there. It's what you want to see, isn't it? It's, um, you know, see see the players together and all that. And there was a lot of, you know, a lot of this from the players and that. And, you miss that when you're not there. So, um, yeah, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And 
that's what I mean going into the second leg as well. Talk about that counter attack for a goal. We're all saying now it's going to be really difficult uh, to keep another clean sheet against them. It's also going to be really difficult for Brentford to go at us and not get caught on the counter. We're, we're very strong on the counter. So as much as it's going to be very difficult to keep a clean sheet, it's going to be hard for them to as well because they're going to have to come at us. So, um, yeah, I think as much the more, more brave they are, the more opportunities we'll get down the other end. Because as much as we know a nil-nil will take us through, that doesn't mean he's not going to play Dan Juma. He's obviously going to have Dan Juma on the pitch. He's always going to be a threat. So, yeah, I think that counter was, was a really good sign going into the second leg as well. And Jeff, three changes from Brentford straight after that. Yeah, they really went for it after that. I think they uh, they recognised that they needed a goal. Uh, they needed to get back in the tie and make it uh, an easy game for them when they play on Saturday. So they they really went for it. You know, credit to them. They they came at us through the kitchen sink at us, um, and uh, we stood strong, which was super super pleasing. Yeah, we did. I mean, can you think of many Brentford chances, Neil? I can't think of many. I think Jensen hit the side netting at one point. Um, did they have? An overhead kick at one stage that yes, went over center, the bar. Center back, center back. But they, they had the main one, didn't they? The one that we haven't spoken about. The one that the Gaza in the World Cup one. Um, maybe, maybe we shouldn't mention that, Neil, out of respect. The uh, to respect to who? <laughs> <laughs> the guy who missed it. I mean, he had to come at it like a train. If you were going to be his defence lawyer, you, you would say, you know, it wasn't one of those ones that get shown for years to come because they stood still. He had to come at it like a train and he, he was out of control uh, when, he, when he got to it. But obviously he should have scored. But yeah, that was the, that was the moment. What was really good about that was um, Smith and uh, I can't remember someone else had, had a, quite a bit of a row about it. And I really like that because that shows the bit that Tom was talking about in the beginning about the concentration. Um, and the wanting to win um, because they were furious that that guy had that chance. And I thought that's great because that's not always been there this this season. Well, it, it showed because Brooks didn't track the the run that the, the centre-half, I think it was Mepham, had to go across to pick it up and that, that sort of drew CCV away. And so Adam Smith was marking two players in, in between two players there when the, when the ball came across. So, you know, it, and it was all because Pearson wasn't on the pitch, I think. That, would, that doesn't happen if Pearson's there. Yeah, and you said Pearson went off. Uh, that happened uh, moments before that that terrible miss on seventy seven minutes, and Jack Stacey replaced him. Tom, do you know much about the injury? I mean, I know he's had a scan, but other than that, do we know much? It's a hip, a hip, I believe, and I'm, I'm sure he's been out since he's come to us before with a slight hip injury. Um, and I don't know if he had that at Preston because I know he had a few injuries at Preston this season as well. So I don't know if it's an ongoing thing with the hip, but. Um, it didn't look. I mean, I didn't. I didn't realise he was injured until he came off, because um, you just knew before he's not going to take Pearson off now. Um, but he is one of them players. You wouldn't really know he's injured. He, he's everywhere. Hopefully, it's not too serious. But I'm an early else, like you say, a scam potentially. But he was exceptional as well. And like you say, they they certainly had a bit more control when he went off the pitch. But yeah, it was an interesting sub because he decided instead of bringing Wilshire on, he would um, move Brooks, uh, Brooksy inside and and bid him back one uh, alongside Jeff and. Not sure. I mean, obviously now won the game, so you can't argue with the decision. It surprised me a little bit um, to move move Billing back. Um, I, I would have, but maybe he thought they were going to try and get wide areas a bit more, so he went for Stacey. But um, yeah, obviously in the end he brought Wilshire on. But be interested again if Pearson were out, what would we do and what would Woodgate do in terms of do you bring Stacey in and move Brooks inside? Would you just play Wilshire? It's really difficult because we haven't got anyone like Ben Pearson available on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that that would be, I'm not sure I'd want to move Billing away from that role, yeah. but then would, it's a really difficult one. Um, I'm not sure, but hopefully we won't have to worry about it and he'll be fit because he's been, I mean, he's been remarkable, hasn't he? Since him and Carter Vickers, since they started playing under Woodgate, have been, he was one of the best players on the pitch, Pearson controlled the midfield. If court is only still legal, I'd use as much of that as you can possibly do to get him on the pitch and still mobile. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought I thought we had a great game. Well, someone for Brentford that's had a great season so far that was seemed to be ineffective, Neil, was Ivan Tony, the player that we most feared, and he still hasn't scored against us. Hopefully that's nope. not going to be a meme at some point. But um, he was ineffective yesterday. I think Steve Cook, Chris Meppham, Cameron Carter-Vickers, they all did such a job on him. Yeah, I mean, is he is he a classic flat track bully? That's the thing you've got to ask about Ivan Tony. I don't know his record against uh, Norwich and Watford. I think. I'm not sure he's he, so not sure he scored against him, but um, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. So it may well be that he's just one of those championship strikers. You know that the championship's been littered with him over the years. Guys that can get 20 goals in the championship. David Nugent's always the one that springs to mind for me, but can't score in the in the in the Premier League. So um, and then that sometimes shows when they're up against the top fences. Sad though it is, I think Dominic Solanke also falls into that camp when you look at the teams he scores against and the teams he doesn't. Um, so, so to be honest, and this will come back and maybe hurt me for saying it, but Ivan, Ivan Tony has looked a very average striker in all the three games we've played against him, but that's the credit of the defenders that have played against him because he's a good striker at championship level. I thought he looked injured, actually, Stan. He, he, he looked a bit off the pace and, and I've seen a few games Brentford have played against, you know, some of the weaker sides and, and he's he looks like he's got much more energy than he showed last night. Maybe he's just, you know, shot because of the, the, the burden of games he's had to play. Yeah, I mean, you know, all our players had breaks and they haven't. I don't think Ivan Tony has had a break. So, you know, I wonder if Thomas Frank will go on to regret that. Now, for the remaining after that miss, I expected them to wave of wave after attack, Tom. But there wasn't that. I thought they'd be throwing the kitchen sink at us, but it didn't feel like that. No, it didn't feel like that. I mean, it's always it's easier said now. I think at the time I was absolutely crapping myself, but yeah. they were like I say. I th- I feel all right when we're when we know we have to defend. We've got that goal. We've got that lead, and that is the mindset. You know, I feel like we switch off sometimes, but not when that's our aim. We're one nil up. We need to stick. You know, since Woody's come in anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I felt we were defending really well. They like I say they were huffing and puffing, but it's, like I say, it's easier to say now. But I didn't really think they they weren't going to get in behind. I didn't think. I thought. They would maybe uh, get some joy from a set piece or something like that, which can always happen. But yeah, we we defended really well, and and then you always felt like we'd have half a chance of the break. And I remember right at the end, wasn't it, with a keeper that a kick, uh, short short kick, and I thought Billy had caught it to um in the empty net, but the keeper got back. But yeah, there was always there was always a chance of us. I felt like there was always just as much of a chance of us going up the other end and getting a second. But we defended resolutely throughout, um, and Carter Vickers was the main man back there. I thought he was just. Didn't put a foot wrong, did he? And whatever happens, we've just hopefully we can, even if it's just another season on loan, I'd love to keep hold of him. He's been brilliant. I think a shout out to a, a much maligned part of our game, the set piece last night. That's the best I've seen it all season, both attacking and defensively. I thought we were excellent. Mm, we were. And I thought, I thought when Dan Juma got into that position of having the free kick, I, for some reason, I thought we'd score that. I, I had it in. You know, I felt it in my waters that we were going to score, but it was a good save from the keeper anyway. And uh, yeah, we didn't manage to double our lead. But you're right, Jeff. It just felt a lot better. 
it felt you know a far cry from David Brooks pinging a corner over to the main stand, eh? Absolutely, absolutely, and that that uh, that corner routine in the first half. If you watch uh, the one where Cookie gets the header, you see Cameron Carter Vickers does a very nice uh, block on their defender who can't track him. I mean, it's totally legal, but it's exactly the sort of set piece that we used to do in the Premier League all the time until we forgot how to do set pieces in the Premier League. So that was that was welcome to see a return to form of the set piece. Defensively, I thought everybody did their jobs and um, albeit they won, a, they won quite a few of the first headers, we were, we were good at picking up second balls and clearing it. I thought we did really, really well at that last night. So, full time then. 1-0. I'm not sure that's done anything for my nerves. It's just prolonged it. I mean, I wanted, um, I wanted to feel kind of slightly less nervous, Neil, but I actually just feel as though it's just now going to keep the same level right through until Saturday now, because in a way, I would have preferred mentally you know, a nil-nil rather than a one-nil, if that makes any sense, because I actually feel worse for having a scoreline like that. I don't know if that sounds weird. Yeah. No. Well, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, because we are, this is, the, this is like the, the scoreline that gives you the most trepidation because you just mm. do not know what to do. You can relax. If we, if we lost 2-0 last night, we could relax because we know we'd have gone there, played a front four, had a go at it, um, and we probably would have gone out. But you, you would be feeling more relaxed now. The problem that we got now is it's, it's on a tightrope. Um, I think Tom said it. They score in the first five minutes and, and it's all equal. And they've got the whole of the rest of the game in front of 4,000 fans at their own place. But at the same time, they could also, uh, they've got that hoodoo that hangs over the fans more than the players um, and they'll be getting edgy. They'll be getting nervous. If they're not 1-0 up in 20 minutes, every time we attack, they'll start to get a bit, a bit nervous. If we score... Um, which we've got every chance of doing on the break in the first half. They're suddenly 2-0 down with a very edgy crowd thinking, here we go again. So mm. all of those scenarios could happen, and that's what makes it so nerve-wrackingly tense. When it's going to be horrible. Yeah, when you think about the, the footballing sides in this division, Tom, we're talking Norwich, Watford, we didn't lose to any of them. No, we didn't, like I say, and that's that's what filled me with a bit of confidence going into the game was um, mm. that we seemed to turn up in them sort of games. And yeah, like I say, so many things could happen. I think if there is an early goal, that that's going to sway it one way or another. All them things that, that Neil mentioned are, are key. And I think, you know, I reckon as soon as they could see the last night, the amount of them Brentford players that would have gone, not again. It would have just been in their head, not again. Um, everything I've heard today in terms of on uh, kind of radio, on podcasts, things like that, they all just, the first thing they say is not good win for Bournemouth. Is, is it going to happen again? Is it going to happen again? Because Brentford have got this over them. And um, yeah, like, I do think that would, will play a little bit of a part. But equally, like we said, they go and get an early goal. It's all level and we're at their place and they got a crowd cheering them on. So it's going to be difficult. But um, I predicted the first leg, bang on, 1-0 Dan Juma. So I think it's going to be nil-nil. I honestly think we're, gonna, we're just going to grind out all game. I think it's going to be nil-nil. I really don't. I just just have this feeling we're gonna um just gonna be horrible. It's gonna be a really nasty game, and we're just gonna, gonna see get get over the line. Look, they're a team that have got to come out and score, so they will be leaving gaps. Maybe we can do it again. What was different between this game, Jeff, and the last one in the league? Because we just look completely different. I think uh, we had a number of chances in that last game, but we just weren't as clinical as we were when we got the chance last night. I mean, you know, if Junior scores that chance he had in the first half, that could have been a completely different game. 
I think also the fact that we have something to play for, you know, there was something real there. Um, we're we're a, a team that's uh, built on, on fragile foundations, you know, mentally. I think we needed that. And I think the crowd really helps you. They're performers, they're entertainers. They want to do that and they want to get applause for it. You know, they don't want to do it and then have, have nothing in response. Um, so someone like Arnie, when he scores and does that knee slide, you see four other players doing the knee slide. They're doing that because they're loving it. They're enjoying it and they're excited to be doing it in front of the crowd. And uh, yeah, I think that was, that was really, really massive for us last night. Word of caution, though, Brentford 3-1 Swansea. Don't forget that. You know, it's, it could happen again. And I'm just worried that we, we just need to keep feet on the ground and think, got to play exactly that same level of teamwork, professionalism and appetite and, and clinical finishing. If we do that, I think we can score. Now, we're not trying to look too far ahead, but... I must admit, completely forgot about the other match that's going on. And Neil, when it came to 10 o'clock and you saw the result, did that surprise you? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Because I don't know why. I mean, it's difficult because you become too biased about your own performances against various teams. But I think, you know, so I'm sure Swansea fans could tell us about some great games they've played this year. But they've been absolutely pants the twice that we've played them really and not impressed at all uh, whereas Barnsley did a number at our place and I thought that Swansea are, are quite they're, they're like a, us but a bit lighter uh, and I thought Barnsley would do them at home and it would just be a question of whether Swansea could out football them at, at their place so I was surprised at that result um, and so I saw the question flash up on the bottom of the screen who would who would we want to play in the who we want to play in the final. The team we wanted to avoid in the final is the team we're now playing, unfortunately. So I was I just I was nervous about playing Brentford. I hope someone else would play Brentford and knock them out. Obviously that now can't happen. It's got to be us. Uh, if we get to the final, um then I would be very, very confident, um, maybe falsely. But I just think if it's Swansea, arguably I'd just prefer Swansea and uh, I think we would outplay them. Uh, playing a very similar side, and Barnsley, I think on a big pitch with a big occasion, I think we could we could do them as well. So it's uh, just makes Saturday even more tense, doesn't it? Mm, it does. So who was your man of the match then? Because well, Tom, I'll, the BBC have got a voting system whereby fans can vote for their player of the match. Who do you think was the player of the match? And then we'll go on to your actual man of the match. Well, I think it will go to Dan Juma. Um, like I'm sure it will do on most things, uh, match winner and all that. And he's good on the eye and stuff like that. And he was good. Uh, for me, there's so many I can mention. I thought the spine, I thought Lerma and Pearson were brilliant. I thought Kelly was brilliant. Smith mm. was br- But I would probably go for Carter Vickers. Um, mm. For the f- first half and second half, he was just faultless. Um, and like I said, the two protecting in front were brilliant. But yeah, for me, I would I would go Carter Vickers. But um, there's a lot that are running close. But I'm sure on most of the voting things, um, Arnie got it. Interestingly, it was David Brooks who got no, it. David Brooks with an average of 7.44 and then Dan Juma just below him. And, you know, David Brooks, Jeff, we need to speak about him because, I mean, we have already in terms of his brilliant assist for Dan Juma. But he's one of these players that has somehow started. If he had more competitions throughout the season, he wouldn't have been playing, let's face it, based on his previous performances. But he came good when it mattered. I think Brooks is again one of those players that responds to a crowd. He wants to be he wants to be applauded. He needs that. 
And last night he showed what he can do. He did it really well. And he was getting, you know, the crowd were going crazy for that. And, and rightly so, you know, that is the David Brooks that we remember before his injury. And I was thrilled that he played such a great part in the goal and just looked looked like he had that, that uh, left wing back on toast for much of the game. It was terrific to watch. So welcome back, David Brooks. That's the one we recognise. Hmm. That's right. And you saw the stats scrolling up the screen there. And, you know, Begovic got a very low rating, but he didn't have anything to do, Tom. No, he didn't. He didn't have anything to do at all, really. Um, oh, no, he did have one, didn't he, in the second half where he rushed out um, and got to the oh, players' feet quite well. Superb block that was. Yeah, that was really good. I just remember that. Yeah, and it, it kind of rebounded off him. We got a goal kicked, didn't we? So it was um yeah. but yeah, he just it, the way he come out, you know, the players the players virtually in there, but the way he comes out is not even a chance because he comes out so quickly that it makes it that it like you say, we've nearly forgot about it, um, which is why he's so great. But yeah, um yeah, Begovic Begovic was good. I mean, that's so piercing at the bottom on the ratings, that's mad. But um, he was superb. We don't know. Who's, we don't know. Who's, that's probably not Bournemouth fans. I think you watch a game differently when you know the players to if you don't yeah. know the players because you we judge them on how we know they can play, whereas everyone else just judges them on that one game. So I tell you, a player who um, I thought we haven't spoke about yet, who had a really good cameo, was Jack Wilshire. So he showed his um, Premier League class when he came on because he ne- he just did not lose the ball and he got it in some really tight situations and he always played the right pass. I, I I wouldn't want him to start um, uh, because I just don't think he's got the energy and legs for 90 minutes in the championship. But um, I just adore watching him, uh, and uh, and it was his little cameo was lovely uh, when he came on. Yeah, really well. So nervousness takes Jeff on a scale of one to ten. Gee, Whereabouts well, are you at the moment? Just just talking about Saturday's game. Then you know, sweaty palms already, and I think the best advice is. Just don't think about it. Don't think about something completely different for the next four days until 12.29 or whenever. Is it 12.30 kickoff on Saturday? Yeah. yeah. So 12.29, then you can start thinking about the game and, and your sanity will be preserved this week because already I'm, I'm losing it thinking about it. You know there'll be a certain set of fans, well, maybe even a couple of clubs that will be ready and waiting to pounce Tom, eh? That's right. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Um, keep having to remind them all that it's, uh, yeah, local manners, please, because we're going to go and get another trophy like we did last time. Not a problem. So I'm just hoping that we actually to do that. Um, but yeah, let's let's wait and see. I'm, I'm confident. I am confident. And um, yeah, we've got let's let's see what happens at the weekend first, because it is like like Neil mentioned earlier with the other tie. I think whoever goes through, you know, even if we say Brentford were to go through, whoever goes through in this tie will be quite big favourites, I think, at Wembley. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big one. But I think, it's interesting, I think 1-0, you, you know as a player that it's very, very tight. If you win 2-0, sometimes you can think you're already there. I think I think 1-0 is, you know, I mean, it'd be silly for the players to think they're there. So, um, it's on a knife edge, but I think we'll be all right. Biggest game since Bolton, this one, I think. Yeah, yeah. And a very unusual experience for us because the thing with the Bolton game was, it, you know, I never ever thought we weren't going to win that game. But even if we hadn't, we still had Charlton. This is this this is taking us right back to Huddersfield away, which we we spoke to Lee Bradbury about Huddersfield in the playoffs. We 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 haven't had we haven't had many games like this in our history where the whole thing ends uh, at the end of it. Um, so that just that just am I ramping up the tension enough? 
Oh, that Huddersfield yeah. away, that was... We, I mean, we I drew the first leg, didn't we? That one. Yeah, yeah we drew the first leg. Game. I don't want to remember that, please. Yeah, that, I mean, that was just... That's the most... No, I've been, most I've been through a ringer at a football game was yeah. that Huddersfield game. Well, the that worst thing about it was that, obviously... No, no, I went up there and there was no real... We drew the first leg at home, so I yeah. remember thinking it would be a bonus. We're not expect, But because of the way the game went, you were getting this hope and you think we're going we're gonna to do it. And, you know, it really looked like we were going to do it. But, um, yeah, this, this time we've got a lead. We've got a lead going into the going to second leg. That's massive. We all would have taken 1-0 going into the second leg. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. In a way, I would, I would rather it was sorted in 90 minutes because you know what we don't want? Extra time and then pens. If that happens, I'll be having kittens. It'd be absolutely horrible. It's weird. Like when England play in a World Cup, I don't care. I honestly don't really care. This is completely different. Yeah. This is, this is yeah, absolutely huge. It's 150 million quid and the potential future of a football club. Oh. <laughs> no pressure, lads. No pressure. But then, you know what? I think... Who will there be more pressure on, Neil, do you think? Um, I think we need to get back for our future. I don't think Brentford do. I think they're brilliantly run club um, on and off the pitch. Uh, so I think they will go again next year. I think we won't. I think we'll lose six or seven key players and it'll be a transitional season for us. So it's there's more pressure on us um, in terms of historical uh um what's the word i'm looking for uh weight of the of the fixture in terms of who more pressure on on the day there's more pressure on brentford because they're one nil down and they're at home um and they they will not want to mess this up so yeah so for the game it's more pressure on brentford in terms of historical perspective more pressure on us something that Lee Bradbury said uh today when we were interviewing him saying that um sure people will will be inspired by is that when you talk to professional footballers these are the sorts of games they want they want to play in games where it means something and this game will mean a lot to a lot of our players who want to be back in the premier league you know it's it's much more important than say playing bottom club Sheffield Wednesday away from home and, you know, losing 1-0 to them because there's nothing on that game, really. There is a lot on this one and I think it's up to our players to embrace it and to enjoy it. And, Tom, when you've tasted something once, you want to taste it again. If you haven't tasted it, you're not really bothered, are you? No, true. And like you said, when we're talking about the... uh... The kind of pressure and stuff. Yeah, Brentford have got this hoodoo over them in the playoffs. But like Neil said, we spoke about it yesterday, Sam, didn't we? How well they're run. Um, going back to, you know, just, just their centre forward. We're talking about Tony now. They're more pay. They replaced in. They had Ollie Watkins. They replaced in. They had Andre Gray. They're, they're very good. So they, they will come back. I know they'll be they'll be gutted. But um, we it feels like that this one opportunity for us, doesn't it? Um, before we just don't know what's going to happen. So I think everyone knows that. Everyone in the football club obviously knows that. The players know that. So, um yeah, and I feel like they know they they, they can get there now. I, I, I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to do it. I think we've got a lot of experience there. And um, yeah, this this is our chance. And we've got the advantage. Let's remember this. I know we're all nervous. We've got the advantage. They would t- they would probably take penalties. We wouldn't because we've got the advantage it's in our hands. Um, in in terms of you know they've got to win the football match. We don't. Uh, so it's a massive advantage to have. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident. Uh, what we'll say is yesterday, just at the end of the game, it definitely looked like Stephen Perch, I don't know if anyone else was there, he was goodbye waving, 100%. He was there for 100%. ages and he yeah. was the last off the pitch. 
by Marl, and he was waiting for ages. Fletch come over and gave him a hug, and it was so obvious. Oh. It was so obvious. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that's potentially with Eddie, but it did look like Purchase was walking around like it's the last time I'm going to be here. Definitely felt like that, just for something I noticed from being there, definitely. Yeah. So you say the Purchase until Celtic Purchase friendly, Tom. Yeah. Until Celtic players in a pre-season friendly. Yeah, true. Or Crystal Palace. You never know. Mm. Whoever it's going to be, no, um, I think they're just wait, they're just waiting for us to finish the playoff campaign, and then they'll announce purchase Weatherstone, um, how potentially Richard Hughes. I don't know, but but those those three will those three will all get announced together. I think that's what the delay is. When you've got players like Arnold Dan Juma saying, "I've said it before the game, and I'll say it again, make it happen." Let's get the job done. We've got to trust in on our Dan Jumeray. And you know what? If players are on form, we know it can be done. He also said the, he, he did a wonderful, very Arnie tweet, didn't he, about the big players turn up for the big game. I've always said it, the big players turn up for the big games, which I thought was wonderful. Because the other thing I always love about him, and I watch for it now, is he knows where the, he works out where the cameras are before, uh, the, before he starts a game. So when he scores, he heads straight to a camera, which is marvellous. Mm. That he would, that he never has to look around for it. He's on it. He's straight at that camera. <laughs> Brilliant. More, more, more power to him. So hope he knows where the cameras are at Wembley. Well, hopefully he does. And let's face it, with Steve Cook possibly out for a long time, he he wore a t-shirt for Lloyd Kelly. He was out for a fortnight. So I don't know what he's going to do. Do full on tutu underneath, cycling shorts the lot. I, I don't know what he's going to have. You have a tattoo. Strong. Have a Steve Cook tattoo on his forehead. <laughs> wouldn't be surprised but anyway we need him to uh, be on form just like the rest of them lads it's been a, it's been a pleasure i'm not sure i feel any better for it but tom thanks very much for joining us cheers boss cheers jeff cheers gaffer <laughs> and also thanks very much neil yeah, i can't think of another word but boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cheers governor So there we go then. Huge, huge weekend ahead of us. We probably haven't made you feel much better, have we? And I apologise for that. If you're a subscriber to our YouTube channel, you know that there's been some relentless content and we will, we will, I promise, get the rest of the interviews put on here. We'll drip feed them. We'll probably do it over the summer, to be honest, to keep the content flowing on this here pod. But If you are on our YouTube channel, you'll be aware that we've got an interview with a former manager, someone who signed the likes of Simon Francis, Charlie Daniels, Steve Kirk, Sean McDonald, plus he oversaw Harry Arter's return from loan and cemented his position as a regular cherry. Plus, he was also in charge when he signed mainstays such as Wes Fogden, Matt Tubbs and um, Whisper It, Scott Malone. Plus, he had to cope with the loss of players like Danny Ings, Liam Feeney, Anton Robinson, Royce Wiggins, Marvin Bartley, Danny Holland, Jason Pearce. Yeah, you know who it is. Lee Bradbury. His time in management at AFCB was short, but his legacy is undeniable. Yet he's a manager whose time at the club almost feels airbrushed. We chat over his career in football, both as a player and a manager, how it all started with his military background. Plus, what's it like being the journeyman? Because he played for such a number of clubs. But now, management with Havant, Eastbourne and then Crawley. What does the future also hold for Bradders? We have a candid and open chat with a perhaps overlooked Cherries hero. That's on the YouTube channel. 
So check out that at youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Well, I won't lie to you, I feel absolutely sick and the nerves, I mean, it's a gut-wrenching feeling at the moment and, you know, I don't know how it's going to go and I can play out lots of different scenarios in my head and all of them are realistic. So, as Neil said, it's a a horrible scoreline to take in. In many ways, I'd rather it been nil-nil just because I'd feel... A little bit more pessimistic. Is, is that the best way to feel pessimistic? And then anything which is a bonus is a good thing. I mean, is that the way to think about it? I, I've got no idea. But either way, I can't wait till it's all done, to be honest. We're either going to Wembley or we're not. We'll find that out on Saturday afternoon. And we'll be here on Monday morning with our reaction. And I just really hope it's a positive one. Until then, try to get through the week. Stop thinking about it. And uh, you've been listening to Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. I need to be sick. Kelly gets to put it again, and then Juma with the ball now for Solanke. Oceans of space for Brooks, which Solanke finds him now. Billing charging on through the middle. Still David Brooks chooses his ball to Dan Juma. Podcast Network.